everybody, it's Bevan. Welcome to Bevan, a femme over 40 and her friends podcast. I'm your host, Bevan. I've said my name three times. It's time to start the show. Today's guest is Alex the Medium. His name is Alex Altamonte, and he is a psychic medium who lives in Astoria, New York, or upstate New York right now, quarantined, but like also like in and around. Oh, I think it's Jackson Heights. Dang it. We didn't even talk about that. We were talking about how glad... Alex was to be upstate. So that's where Alex lives, but also New York City, Queens. Um, And Alex is just like a true, kind-hearted, magical human being who has done the hard work to be exactly who he's supposed to be in this lifetime and present his gifts joyfully to the world um, as a psychic medium. Um, One thing to know about psychics is that not all psychics are mediums, but all mediums are psychics. That's the definition I've heard and the one that I kind of go with. Um, I super love mediumship, and I've seen it come in lots of different forms. Uh, The way, what I love most about the way Alex reads is it's a very, uh, it's truly collaborative with his guide, Kazoo. Um, and I, that's not true for everybody who, who reads. In fact, often, um, it's not through one specific guide. It may be through many. Um, but like, you know, I've talked to people I've known who passed away through Alex, uh, multiple times. I've gotten, um, really good connections to the other side, really great clarity, really great perspective. Um, Alex has always been my favorite person to go to when I'm at a crossroads and I don't know what the F is going on in my life. Like, that's a really good person. It's like uh, my my spiritual SOS sign is like a quick, uh, I'm trying to get a quick session um, with Alex during a crisis. Um, but I am so excited to, I've always known, I, I don't know why I even use but as a transition there, um, but you know, start before you're ready. I have to say, I'm excited to have Alex on the podcast, but most especially just right now during all of this corona stuff, like it is a really interesting life right now. It's very defined by this time. And, um, everyone is like kind of experiencing a collective uncertainty because it's hard to know like what's going to happen. Um, and it's even kind of hard to keep track of what is happening. Cause like, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news since September, 2016. And you can kind of surmise why I, uh, started making that self care choice, but self care is super important to me, like basically all the time. And, um, it is so important these days as I am quarantined, not quite alone, alone. I have, uh, my mom and her spouse who live like right around the corner from me. So I see them all the time. Um, but you know, by myself, I haven't had a hug in a very long time. And it, I just, I don't want to know how long it's been, but I do know it's week three of quarantine. Um, so I don't know if I had a hug that week, but like, wow, why am I living such like a hug light lifestyle? Like I love hugs. Um, and so like now I'm just like ready to be a troll doll. You know, that troll movie where they have hug o'clock. That's what I want in my life. Like later after this happens, like after this quarantine, I want more hugs, more hugs in the world. Um, so what I'm excited, so I'm excited for you to pop into my conversation with Alex the Medium. I want you to just kind of like visualize yourself joining us for a front porch chat. Like basically like we're all in like very comfortable and stylish porch furniture and you can just like conjure what it looks like for you. Um, and I want you to imagine we're like drinking the most delicious tea you've ever had. Um, and it's early spring. So we're cozying up with some good blankets. Maybe imagine your very favorite blanket you ever had in your whole life is like warming you up on this porch for this porch chat between me and Alex. Um, And even before we get to that, 
I want you to just like, let's just do a self-care check-in. Um, I have been really, really enjoying conversations with friends while I work on a puzzle. It's a classic thing to do. I feel like a puzzle is a timeless form of entertainment, uh, fun for the whole family if you're quarantined with a lot of people. I moved here to the woods with a pile of puzzles that I was excited to get to, and I'm embarrassed to say I didn't fire up a single one in my own house. I did a few with my mom and Pat, but uh, I didn't fire up even one in my own house until quarantine. But you know what? It's really special now. And I have this like great two by four I bought from Home Depot or two actually. So I can lay one on top of the other when I'm not doing the puzzle so that my cat does not pose a threat. So this is like uh, some hardcore lesbian tip for you. If you want to like make a good puzzle service, a two by four is like plenty of space for a good size puzzle. And this second two by four is a really light one, you know, just like one on top of the other makes it a little more cat proof. Um, so doing a puzzle, talking to my friends, that's total self care, uh, vibes for me right now. I'm also, um, really time chunking my grateful hours. So I do like within like the last couple hours of daylight, like, right. It's the beautiful golden hour. Um, I like to be outside during golden hour. I think it's just extra. The world is extra pretty. Um, and I got really into golden hour when I lived in LA, when, um, the day is just so piercing hot, like golden hour is the first time you really can feel like walking around. Um, but it's also just a beautiful time of day. And here it's like 30 degrees. It was like 35 degrees during golden hour today. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's this last like little bits of, uh, winter spring that wants to, to nibble at you. Anyway, that's when I do my nature walk. I go into the forest every day. I usually, or I always dance. Um, it's an accountability thing I do with my Instagram stories and I dance in the woods and I just have a good time. And like, I film like a couple, I usually film a couple minutes of dancing and I chunk it to 15 seconds for IG stories. And it's a really fun thing to do. It makes me certain that I'm dancing. I really think movement in nature is very, very good for me. Um, and also dance aerobics in nature are good for me. And um, quite, um, pretty much daily I practice teaching dance aerobics. So I'm always kind of working on a new number or like refining old stuff or just playing around with music. But music has been like so, so, so important as part of my self-care also. Um, doing... Um, a lot of music around the house, just making sure that things are playing that like match the emotion that I'm hoping to curate. Um, cause sometimes it can feel really stale, um, kind of being in the same place again and again. Um, but like music kind of music is a vibe. Um, I also, um, wanted to give some shout outs to people, um, in my life who I've had conversations with who had great self-care ideas. Um, so, uh, my friend Sam, who is a seven month old and lives in Maryland, she goes out foraging, uh, very excited about this specific type of fruit you can only get there. I'm excited to visit when this is all over so that I can go foraging for this fruit. Um, my friend Jess in Philly is a mom to a three-year-old and I just like, for all of you who are like playing hot potato with your kids and someone else in your house, like while you're trying to work from home, like bless up and so much compassion to you. That is a lot going on. Um, and Jess, uh, has that situation with a three-year-old and she, for self-care, she just drove to a parking lot and stared at some trees, ate some snacks and listened to a podcast. 
And I have to say, I was like, high five for self-care to Jess. So for all of you who are like listening to this as part of your self-care, high five, high five for self-care. And whenever you're doing self-care in the near future, I want you to just imagine me, Bevan, as like a little fat fairy, just like tiny little fairy high-fiving you for doing uh, the self-care that you know is going to make you feel better. Um, any amount of self-care is good these days. Um, any amount of praying for other people and compassion sent to other people is good these days. You're going to hear more about that in this episode. And then also for your binge watching consideration, um, my friend Courtney, the purple ganja goddess on Instagram is watching Harry Potter and Harry Potter movies. And that is good. When I was very depressed this December, um, and January, I watched a lot of Harry Potter movies and can concur. Very good for depression. Um, and like, at least just kind of like getting yourself into a vibe or like maybe in a different time. That's not this time. That's a different, that's an all the times because it's a, a fantasy world. Anyway. Um, I'm also like wildly enjoying, um, like as self care time chunking, like what my kind of overarching vibe is going to be. Cause like in, during my golden hours time, like I really want to be fully present and I want to be also like visioning and I want to be just like in a place where I'm not like tied to like everything that's happening right now, like all of the panic or all of the news, like where I'm just like in a space where I'm with nature and I'm just like in the moment and really just being present for it. And I find that to be uh, very renewing and grounding to have that kind of a practice. Um, and I also like meditate first thing in the morning. I think that's like for me, non-negotiable self-care. If you want to invite me along on some of your self-care, consider joining my weekly online aerobics class, Fat Kid Dance Party Aerobics. I have four classes available at a time, a 10-minute, a 20-minute, a 45-minute, and a 60-minute class. And these classes are just dance aerobics from the heart. It's just movement, stretching, getting connected to your body, and healing the relationship that you have with your body today. Not the body you had 10 years ago, not the body you think you should have, but just the body that you're in today. We celebrate being awkward. It's really for you if you've ever been called too much or too flamboyant or too fat or felt too awkward to dance. And there's always options for doing moves from a chair. And, you know, the minimum participation is just showing up and cheering along. And I'm here to vibe you up and help you have a great week. So you can join that through my Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that allows creators like me to create content for folks like you on a membership site. So it's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash F-K-D-P, which stands for Fat Kid Dance Party. And um, also on the Patreon, you can just support the podcast. Five bucks a month, you get access to exclusive audio content um, all about self-care and a lot of good Reiki healings and meditations and things like that. So that's all over there. And I really appreciate you tuning in and spending some time with me. I hope that you learned something from this conversation with Alex and really take away from this, like visioning for a new world, visioning for new possibilities for yourself. And please go to anchor.com. No, it's anchor.fm slash Bevan, which is this podcast website. And if you go there, you can leave me a voice memo. And if you have something that we can all vibe you up for, like leave me a voice memo and I'll put it on the podcast.
Okay, so I just want to give some shout-outs to things I've been delighted by on Instagram lately. Like, one of the funnest things about this corona stuff, like, if we're looking at, like, the bright side, is that people are really sharing a lot of their art, and um, it's a fun time to just, like, kind of be out there on Instagram as a creator and an appreciator of things. I like to use social media very intentionally, so, like, when I go on there, like, I like to, like, go look at specific profiles. Like, I have, like, a little rounds that I do. I don't like to scroll on my feed because it, I can fall too quickly into a trap of like alarmist stuff. Um, and then this way, like I just get to go experience people's art, like going to an art gallery using social media. So, um, let's see things that I'm loving Angie Pontani, who I adore, uh, from New York. She's like one, a really great burlesque performer, super famous for that. She's been doing, um, live, aerobics on Instagram live every Friday and I love it. It's like such a fun thing to get to do and to like mark the week with because all the days are the same. I try to live like six Saturdays on a Sunday and really differentiate Sunday, but like, you know, days get the same, especially when you're not going places. Uh, so that's been really fun. I've really enjoyed current mood, John Mayer's talk show on Instagram live. It's like I think it's pretty regular on a Sunday night, um, but it's not, it hasn't been on for quite some time, but then when John Mayer started doing Current Mood again, I was like, oh no, it's serious, this corona thing. Um, but I find it hilarious, I think he's hilarious, he's a really funny, I don't know, comedian. Even when his, his jokes fail, they're still funny, and that to me is like quality dad joke material. So I quite enjoy Current Mood, and that's actually where I got the idea for my golden hour chunking of time, because... John Mayer talked about gentle hours and he talked about drinking tea during the gentle hours and playing soft music and really just like not consuming anything that might upset you in the gentle hours. And I think it's a really great idea. So I usually chunk my days in golden hours and then gentle hours. And then like everything before that is just like, you know, a productivity challenge. Um, I'm a very productive person. I'm a Capricorn by nature and I really like to get things done. But then I also like to enjoy my life and not stress myself out too much. So, you know, it's a balance. Okay, I've been super loving dance parties that are DJed on Instagram Live, specifically by, and I haven't been to anybody else's DJ, well, no, I went to Snoop Dogg's DJ dance lunch hour. That was actually really fun. That, that got some work going for me while I had Snoop Dogg sitting there just DJing. That was nice. But Amber Valentine is a DJ I know from New York who's really great and throws these amazing, like, perfect, like, just, it's the perfect vibe for just, like, dancing and, like, changing your mood. And, like, I I have had multiple times where I see that Amber Valentine is live on Instagram and I just, like, pop in and then I go have a dance party on, in the front yard for, like, 20 minutes. Um, and Amber will be playing for a while, like, definitely for far longer than 20 minutes, but, like, I think a 20-minute dance break is, like, a complete, like, mood changer and such a good idea. So, uh, that's Amber V time. So, it's Amber, like, A-M-B-E-R, and then V, the letter Vic for Victor, um, and then T-I-N-E. So, like, Valentine, but shorter, Amber V time. Um, super exciting having all of this fun art happening, and... I'm excited to welcome some new Faculty Dance Party regulars to uh, my weekly online subscribers. Um, Johnny Wax from San Francisco, personal friend of mine, and who was also there when I had a photographer in my San Jose class, so like shows up a lot in the cool Faculty Dance Party pictures, and I'm so excited you're joining us from San Francisco. 
Um, Michael Harris from Lone Oak, Arkansas. Michael is just like the sweetest, most angelic, uh, fairy magic unicorn human. Um, and just so generous and so sweet and, um, a personal friend. And I'm really excited that you're going to be joining me for aerobics at home. Um, uh, Sarah Reed from Philadelphia. Um, would you please, I used to live in Philly. So would you please go to the morning glory diner for me when we can go back to restaurants and eat there once more? Ah, the homemade jam at the morning glory was really good. Ah, that was, that was, I love brunch. It's my favorite meal. It's a very important meal. Um, I'd like to welcome Colette Robert, Robertson from Dundee, Great Britain. Uh, and she lives near the River Tay, uh, which is a real place over there. Um, I can't wait to go to England. I've never been to Europe. And I feel like now that like I can't go anywhere because of travel restrictions, I'm like, oh, let me just like plan that trip to Europe in my head. As Alex suggests in this episode, I'm just like, you know going to come high-five you in person when we can high-five once more, Colette. Um, and Anna Johnson, just a big ups. I don't know where you live, but I'm really grateful that you um, went from uh, $5 a month to now joining Facky Dance Party regulars and having found value, you upgraded. That's the best compliment ever. Um, and also another upgrade that I'm working on is uh, from the Patreon is doing a tier, um, right now I have one for tea and I kind of just want to do like a self-care box every like three months. And so I'm thinking about doing a tier for that. So be on the lookout. Um, if you like witchy things, if you like, um, cool little tinctures to come in the mail, um, curated, uh, with some tea and some other little goodies. Um, that's what I'm looking to create. So whatever I can do to help support your self-care, I'm super here for. Um, and also, while you're at it, put on your um, on your radar, April 11th on Saturday, I'm doing an event. Um, and I thought my event work was over, but now that we're all online, uh, other people are geniuses and figure out how to do live stream live things. And so I'm teaching aerobics in the morning on April 11th, Saturday, and there's a whole day of programming and it's all around like cannabis and healing and Ashley Manta and uh, Mama Saline, uh, who are both on this podcast. Um, and probably I think a mint, I don't know if Mindy's doing it or if she's just supporting it, but anyway, a lot of the glowing goddess getaway folks are in it and doing it. Um, people who've already been on this podcast, people who will be on this podcast, um, it's going to be a really cool lineup of people and a fun day, 15 bucks, um, goes to support a lot of people who were very economically hit by, uh, losing a lot of gig work this summer and, um, a fun thing to do to spend your Saturday. So check that out. Um, that's all I'm going to put the link to that. It's at event high event dot high on Instagram is kind of like the anchor place. But if you look at any of my social media, in the coming future, you're going to see little grid posts. So you'll, you'll find it. You'll find it. Um, anyway, I hope that you all know that you are worthy of love exactly as you are. You're amazing. You're perfect just in the being that you are. And bring that cozy perfect self up on the porch with me and Alex. And let's dive into this conversation. <laughs> Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. 
Yay. I'm going to do a more formal intro on the pre-roll, but I just like for everybody out there, Alex is one of my favorite, most treasured uh, psychics and mediums out there. Um, I've been working with Alex for probably about 10 years, maybe like real, real long time. Yeah. Maybe. yeah I don't, I, I lose track of time, but you were my very first interview as this being a business for me. Oh, for your yeah. blog. oh my God. That's right. For my blog. I did a, um, I did a pod or I, I first had like a 20 minute reading with you because a friend, yeah. my friend Mackenzie suggested you and I'm, I will always take like a 20 minute try for yeah. a psychic person or a healer just cause I, you know, I love to try yeah. things and, um, and it was so right on that I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. And I've done readings with you both in person and on Skype. They're exactly the same. Like the, the info is just as connected. And I just, you know, Alex, I think you're the absolute hundred percent real deal. And I'm really excited uh, to have you on the podcast and sharing you with my audience. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Um, so Alex, will you introduce us to like how you, cause you grew up and you knew that like, or you had presence with Kazoo, who is your guide. Will you just kind of explain yes. like your, your, your origin story and like how you grew up? Yeah. In fact, um, this is a topic that's been coming up a lot lately is I had a friend, uh, recently or about a year ago actually tell me if I ever write a book, it should be called the reluctant medium because <laughs> Um, because I, I did not seek any of it out. It just kind of happened. And even with me trying to shy away from it, it just kind of crept back up into what it is now. But I remember being four years old and um, going into my living room after some chores. This is like pre-kindergarten, so before going to school. And I do stuff with my grandma. I live with my grandma and my mom. And she, you know, we do stuff. I help her with chores or whatever go to the living room and I don't remember when I first saw him, but I remember there'd always be a man there, young man. Um, I'd see him. He'd kind of just be like standing there. I kind of knew he wasn't like me or my grandma as in human, but I also wasn't sure. And I kind of just, um, I don't know. I didn't judge it. I probably had seen stuff or thought of it like a dream state or whatever. And uh, for days this was going on. And then one day I just asked him, hi. I just said, hi. And he said, hi, back. And I asked him what his name was. And he said, I don't have a name, but you can give me one. And so I chose Kazoo. <laughs> and um, he was just kind of my partner or what I think a lot of people will remember as imaginary friends. <clears throat> um, he was just always there. We'd have conversations. I don't really remember what they were. Um, and I don't remember when we stopped chatting. But um, he says for many years, uh, of my childhood, but I do remember at 10 years old, um, my entire family moved to Florida from New York City, and I don't ever remember seeing him in that Florida house. So something happened during that move, or I don't know what, where I, I don't know if someone said, stop talking to imaginary people, or, you know, um, something stopped. And then I got reacquainted with him at 19 because I was doing a, a play in college, and there were just three of us in it, three actors, and uh, it was a very emotional play. The teacher thought it would be a good idea to bring a medium in. And I remember feeling really nervous that day for some reason, and I don't get nervous. I've never had stage fright of any kind, um, and, and nor had I had anyone die at that time. So, so I don't know why I felt nervous, but she, the, her name was Jamie Butler, and she actually has been doing this for the past 25 years. 
in Atlanta. And so she uh, went through the other two actors first. And then when she got to me, she said, you know, there's someone who's been bugging me all day to talk to you. And you used to talk to him all the time. And I immediately thought of him, but I said, I don't know. I don't know who that is because I was embarrassed. Um, but she kind of, she kind of moved on from it. We talked about something else and then she kind of curved back to it and said, no, I'm sorry. I have to, we have to touch on this. He used to talk to him all the time. You stopped talking to him at some point and he's always been there with you. And, um, and then I finally admitted about the imaginary friend. And uh, it went on where everyone had just a 20 minute reading and mine went on for two hours. So we didn't have rehearsal that night. And I started working with her. I started hearing him immediately again. Um, almost like someone just had opened a door. I didn't realize there was a door there and it was that easy. Um, I think it was also easy. He just told me to say this part, but he said I, I, he thinks it was also easy because I had no expectation or was trying to. Ooh. It kind of, uh, he kind of like fell into my lap again at 19, the same way he had when I was four. And wow. so we've been talking ever since. Um, and then when you were growing up, so you grew up in New York uh, with your mom and your grandma. Did you have like a dad in your life? What was life like growing up? Like, who were you? Uh, I know I was really raised by my mom, my grandma, and an aunt who did not live with us. Um, but she also, uh, was in my life at almost like a father figure actually. And uh, my father disappeared before I was even born. So I never really had the, you know, deadbeat dad. Um, I'm part of the deadbeat dad club, but not, uh, there's no longing for him. <laughs> um, because I did meet him. I have met him when I was five and he would come in and out of my life because he wanted to be a part of it. But that always felt strange to me. It felt like I was just putting on airs for this guy who's my dad, who. I have no uh, history with. Um, so yeah, I was pretty much raised by all women. I was the only boy, the only boy born to a mother with four sisters. Um, <laughs> uh, all my um, cousins are girls. So <clears throat> strong female energy surrounding me always. Yeah, that's awesome. Were you um, like, did you feel different? Growing up, did you feel like an odd oddball or did you like, and did you try to fight that? You know, I never felt different living in New York City. Other, no, actually never. But when I moved to Florida, I did. Part of it was, and this was no one's doing that I can remember. No one, I don't remember feeling bullied really in any way, but I, I am Hispanic and we moved to Central Florida, which was very not at all Hispanic. Um, my sister and I went to um, private school and we were the only two Hispanic kids in the entire school. Um, this was the eighties. And uh, so I always felt a little different in that respect, but I, but I also think it's just, um, you know, culture shock of living in New York city where I have, my classroom was like United Colors um, and then going to floor exactly the same. And I looked a little different. Um, so that was my first feeling a little like, oh, something about me is a little bit different than the norm here. Um, but as far as being queer, um, I never really, um, I think I always explored it very openly. I think because I was surrounded by women 
and there was no, uh, I'm kind of grateful for that, that there was no kind of male presence to maybe stop me from being whatever. Uh, no one really questioned when I'd put on my mom's heels and walked around <laughs> or whatever, whatever type of exploring I, I wanted to do. I also have um, an aunt who is gay and had a partner. So I was introduced to that very young and normalized in my mind. And I think, in a way, I think a lot of kids don't have. Uh, of my generation anyway, Generation X. And um, so that aspect of it for me always kind of felt easy, the coming out. Um, and I also feel, you know, like this is something that's come up recently. Um, I, when I first kind of was exploring my sexuality when I was a teenager, I identified as bisexual then. And I know that stigma in gay world is that bisexuals it's just like a stepping stone to gayville but for me it wasn't about um body parts it was just about feeling and emotion and someone who's also queer presenting versus someone who lives a type a kind of uh straight lifestyle mm -hmm. um so and still even though i have a male partner now and it's been 10 years that we've been together I still feel that way now um but uh but something else interesting I'm sorry if I'm talking too much something else interesting is I also never correct people when they want to call me gay or uh say whatever they want to say I've always just said queer because I feel like a word was a little more common or meant something different back in the 90s mm -hmm. um and so that's what I, I identify as just like I'm left of center from what your normative uh, situation is <laughs> under an, under a big umbrella of whatever, whatever that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like, I mean, I too really like the term queer because I think it really does for me. It's like my, the people I'm attracted to can be all these different genders and they don't always even yes. identify with any gender and like queer is just way easier. And also yes. in addition to being both like, Queer, I'm like also weird and so like and I think my weirdness and just being different is so much a part of who I am it's like inextricable from my sexuality so that's right that's right <laughs> yeah so like the, the queerness I like that and also like I think a lot of people do like um have early like it, it's like bisexuality I think is a stepping stone for some but not for most I think I think a lot of people no. are like more fluid than we want to talk about because it's kind of easy to run into the loving rainbow embrace of gay people because it's like yes. a strong culture. Um, but like, you know, the truth is most people are pretty on a spectrum. Like that's what Kinsey figured out. And I think that's not wrong. So yeah. I agree. I think it's not wrong also. Yeah. Um, was it uh, like the, it's so interesting that central Florida doesn't have much of a Hispanic population given what it South does Florida now. Is. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's expanded a lot now, but back then, not so much. Yeah. And you're, um, how old are you, Alex? I'm 44. 44. Oh, what a nice number. Angelic <laughs> number. Yeah. Um, can you talk about, like, the process of, you know, kind of hanging a shingle as a psychic? Because, like, you kind of casually, like, got back in touch with Kazoo at 19, but you didn't really start your business till you were in your 30s. Yes. So for me, even though I got back in touch with him at 19, um, it kind of was like um, a kid with a new toy in a way. 
So I was excited to talk to him again. The other people that were in that rehearsal witnessed it happening. And so then I'm in a school setting. So of course it spread like wildfire. And then every one in the theater department was coming up to me like, can you ask about this? Can you, can you talk to my grandma? Can you blah, 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 blah. And so I just would because I could. And then I started getting a taste of people treating me differently, either because I didn't give them information they wanted to hear mm. or, uh, or I didn't know how to filter information that may be too strong for them to hear. Um, also, I immediately was seeing people again, the way I would see Kazoo when I was little. And I'd see people that also felt what felt to me as scary back then, just because it was unknown and I was, you know, playing the game without reading the instructions, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it turned me off uh, after about like a year of that happening. I just kind of stopped talking about it when the new crop of students came in. I kind of, if they asked me about it, I'm like, oh, and I, something I used to, I just shrug it off. Mm-hmm. And I really kind of shrugged it off and even resented him a little bit, uh, Kazoo, because I don't know. I just thought, who are you? Well, there's two. There's actually with my therapist, there's one other reason, because, again, I have had no males in my life. And because of that and the male relationships that the women in my life have had, there's always been this kind of like women are higher beings and men are just mortals. <laughs> so, <laughs> And so Kazoo is a ghost mortal to me. And um, I remember this coming out in therapy once and, and um, the therapist is like, but you're a male. So where do you? And I'm like, well, I'm the son of a higher being. So <laughs> I'm, I'm half mortal, but I've still got some stuff going on, some glow. Um, but anyway, I, I think I had this kind of like resentment towards him kind of for my makeup of him being a male of um, him not, him kind of leading me astray or not protecting me from that. Um, and then I realized, you know, it's, it was me and my own ego wanting to help people because they were excited that I had this alleged superpower and then it kind of backfiring. So I just didn't know how to um, kind of harness it in a way that I'm protecting myself and I'm also helping someone. So I didn't, I wouldn't talk to him. Um, I moved to LA right after college with a very good friend of mine, Megan. Um, I have two good friends, Megan and Marisol, that I've had for 25 years. And the two of them I mentioned specifically because throughout all that time, they'd always call or I lived with Megan for four years after college and she'd always say, can you just ask Kazoo, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, and Marisol would call and be like, can you just ask la, 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 la. And so for years before I started doing this as a business, almost like I was just a telephone and Megan and Marisol were having conversations with Kazoo daily. So, but if you asked me throughout those years, do I do readings? I'd say no, even though I was, I just didn't realize I was allowing it because to me it was more that they were speaking. And even now when I do readings, it is a little bit that, but um, I'm a little more involved because uh, until they get familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so, I, so, so what the trajectory that happened after that is they started telling friends who needed guidance of some sort. I remember my friend Marisol had a friend who had um, a health issue and said, I know you don't like doing this, but can you just have her talk to Kazoo? I'll be on the call. I'll talk to Kazoo. You just be there. 
you know? And so I did that. And then I started feeling more comfortable talking to other people and seeing how it could possibly help and me getting out of my own way, getting my ego out of the way and my fear out of the way. And it kept growing and growing to the point where my partner's like, um, I think you're a medium. So why don't you start taking money? Because <laughs> people would offer, but I felt bad or I, I had, I hadn't worked out that, that relationship with money yet. Um, and he told me to tell you this because you understand this and we've talked about it before. And the relationship with money for me then was that I had to suffer for it and then get it as a reward. Mm. and then I finally like uh flipped my perspective on that to understand oh no I can actually do something I love admit to myself I love and accept money for it and how about that how about more of that and that really is what changed everything however many years ago I can't even keep track anymore that's awesome and what did you so how did you kind of learn more spiritual hygiene? Cause like you were just doing readings, but like, obviously like you've got to do something to protect your energy and protect like all of that stuff. Well, you know, once I started doing them more with other people other than Megan and Marisol, it kind of was a learn as you go situation. Um, for instance, I following my gut became really important. There are many times that my gut would tell me something and I would ignore it because I didn't want to seem impolite. And then it would be a terrible reading or they had a negative energy. But many times I'll get an inquiry now and I'll think, nope, this person doesn't want a reading from me. Um, it could be they don't have a magic eight ball. Um, and that's not what I do. I want us to work together on clearing perspective for you to have the best path possible versus telling you when you know uh when am i getting married or when am i gonna move and you know when i hear those things because it was like i don't know when are you it's not up to me i don't have some mystical answer you're in your own way why aren't you moving do you want to move um so i think uh that's one thing um i stay away from from people that have those kind of questions because they're not really open to exploring they just want magic answers Mm. um So that's one way I protect myself. Another thing I've realized is doing too many readings in a row um, can drain me. And that I learned the hard way where I was just kind of like, they're coming in and I thought I should just say yes to everything, right? And um, I've now learned that my cap is like no more than six or seven, depending on the length of them, a week. Oh, wow. Because any more than that, and it it gets crazy, yeah. Yeah. How do the group readings kind of factor into that for you? The group readings feel exactly like a one-on-one to me energetically. Um, I don't get any more drained. Um, The only way that they're really different for me is that when we're on a one-on-one, we're diving deep for 30 minutes or 90 minutes, whichever, however long our reading is. But I find in a lot of group readings that are in-person group readings, I tend to have someone like Travis, my partner, or I have another friend in the city who does this, who's kind of mediator, because I'm just got, I'm just like spewing information and I kind of don't have the focus to pick who's next to talk. Mm. Um, so I just have someone who kind of like has people on deck of like, you're next, then you, then you. And I find that really helpful only because if they are not there, people tend to sit quietly and not say anything. Mm. yet once the ball gets rolling and they know they have to kind of like put in their you know it's almost like putting your song in for karaoke nobody wants to sing the first song (laughs) and then 
once it gets going, they have like five songs on deck. Um, so, so it's good to just have someone there to kind of collect that to kind of get the ball rolling. Cause I do find it stifling to kind of like stop and just be quiet and be like, who's next. And I don't want to pinpoint anyone because we're in a group setting. I don't want to just come to you and talk about that thing. You may not want everyone to talk about. Yeah. So that's the only kind of thing that's been kind of uh, a learning curve there, but energetically it's the same. If anything, he just told me to tell you, if anything, it's almost more expansive because other people in the group, especially in New York city, because it's a group of strangers mm-hmm. are open books. They will expose everything. They don't care if they've never met you and that they'll never see you again. And they also have information to add on to what Kazoo is saying to kind of help or even make it or relate to you. So I find it really kind of a special moment where everyone's one for that time period. And I I really enjoy that. Yeah. I also think like in group reading uh, experiences, it's similar to like coaching experiences. Like when I watch, when I'm in group coaching, when I'm watching my coaches coach someone else, I hear things that relate to me and what I'm going through, right? And I think that's true in like group psychic readings too. Yes. In fact, there are times at first I'd feel, um, I'd feel bad because sometimes there'd be one or two people in the group that never asked anything, but they seemed okay not to. And then they'd email me later. Or one person came up to me after and said, when you said this, I thought this, can I just ask you something off to the side here? And of course, then I would just talk to them privately, but yeah, it's, it's interesting how much uh, we all gain from just the openness that we collectively have in a situation like that. Totally. Um, what are some self-care practices that you've found that are like indispensable as someone who has like extrasensory connection? Well, one thing that happened that I feel like just happened to me versus me kind of developing is that I kind of just use kazoo to do the readings. I no longer try to see other people or talk to other people. Part of it is because of the experience I had back at 19. But the other part is I find that Kazoo is kind of like my business partner. And he does a really good job of getting information from either guides that you might have or what he calls the higher ups, which we can get to in a minute. Um, but he, he draws information from various sources and filters whatever is the best for you to hear. And that's what he tells me to say. Um, as opposed to, I feel like in the past it gets a little muddy or um, you're, I'm just throwing information out that's, if it's someone you've known in this life, can be peppered with emotion that's not direct information. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, or I'm giving information that's not the topic people wanted to talk about and they're a little shy on asking questions because you can kind of gauge where you are at and tell me let's start here and then they'll open up about that later um so so that's another way that i feel like uh that just happened to me through him so it's almost like his learning curve and i'm just uh and his protection for me um and for the who who's having the reading that i feel like has been a self-care practice um that and again like that following the gut knowing like does something about this person's inquiry doesn't feel right yeah um uh that's been really powerful and i've i've gone against it three times and all three times i would my gut was right so now i learned to um 
I, I learned to, to think, you know, I'm not the right person for you. I think there's somebody else that might be better suited for the type of reading you're interested in. Ooh. And that's that. Yeah. I mean, you know, no is a complete sentence too. So the fact that yes. like, you're able to do it is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. You had said earlier that like when you were 19 and you were doing readings, you were having, you were feeling kind of uncomfortable because you would say things that people weren't ready to hear and not know mm. how to say that. Is that something that like you're working with Kazoo and Kazoo is learning how to say it easier? Or is it like you are also still filtering? I think, um, well, back then I wasn't filtering at all. And I don't think Kazoo was either because he was new at this too, at giving someone else information. But I was also talking to their people directly. Um, so I wasn't using Kazoo as much. He wasn't involved. I think he learned to step in because of that happening. Mm -hmm. And that's why he's so proactive with me now. Um, because, you know, there'd be people that are angry or that have sadness or haven't grown as a soul yet, even though they're not on earth anymore, they're still in that dark place. So they'll just say things in a way that can be hurtful because it's still the pattern of how they spoke to you before. And so I just say it. And even though they'd be excited that it was familiar, or they knew that that was the person, they'd also kind of think, uh, um, you know, who are you to say that to me? I also kind of think it was the age range of people at that time. Mm. Um, you know, 18 to 21, college age. So everything kind of hits you harder. Everything's grander. Um, and overwhelming so I think it was too much for some people to hear yeah totally. um so I think that was it really uh and also sometimes um they'd be upset this is one thing I've always done also self-care I should have mentioned earlier if I don't know if he doesn't know the answer he'll say I don't know he doesn't just give you an answer um he'll say I'm not feeling that I'm not feeling them or you know I don't really feel anything about that energy it doesn't feel like that's something you need to be focused on I don't know I don't know. And I think whenever I'd say that, um, especially with people that want magic eight ball answers, um, it didn't fare well, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit to the Corona. Um, yes. I feel like we're in like an incredible time, like a really unprecedented, like fresh time for humanity. Mm -hmm. And I'm just really excited to talk to people who have like bigger perspectives, um, including you and Kazoo. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, like you said, you had a really, there. the first week of it, I was just like going to all the people I knew who would have something smart to say. You were one of them. And you had such a really nice, reassuring sort of message on Facebook. Um, and so I'm just curious if you could like give us, you don't have to repeat what you said on Facebook, but just give us like your gut about like what the Corona is and what, what's happening for us like in this. Yeah. Um, and then I also have specific questions that some of my uh, Instagram story people sent me. So, okay. Well, you know, I've been doing a lot of group readings via Zoom lately, and it's been a topic, a hot topic in the past week and a half, two weeks. And because um, you're always even having me start with that subject right off the bat. And, and what he wants to say is the main thing he wants to talk about with people about this situation is. Um, Two things. The first one is that if you choose to look at this time that we're quarantining as a blessing, um, it is a blessing because that's how he sees it. Now, of course, 
there are people dying. Of course, we're scared of contacting it ourselves and us being one of those people that need a ventilator and there's no ventilators and the spiral and avalanche of anxiety can, can overwhelm our minds. But don't do that because then you're calling it to you. Instead, focus on this aspect. He's like, forget, let's forget the whole virus and just think, I'm quarantining. The world has decided, the universe has decided that I need to quarantine. And what that means is I was living some sort of quote unquote normal life and the universe is making me stop, um, isolate myself, no longer practice my routines, whether they be bad or good, and kind of take perspective of my inner self, take perspective of what I want and have perspective of what I've been, what I have not been appreciative of that I now am appreciative of. And then once that act, that part of the self inner workings and inner dissection happens, it's about, well, now what happens when, not when this goes back to normal, but when I can get to a new normal of not being quarantined. Because he says, there's no back to normal. It's a new normal. And that should excite you because what that means is that there's something about the old normal that wasn't working for all of us. And now when it's time to kind of get back out there, we will have done this self-reflection. We will have done some work manifesting what we actually want in our new normal that we've put on back burners in the past that we haven't really allowed for ourselves or that we've gotten in our own way the dreams that we've devalued because we didn't see them as stable or fantastical, well, now a fantastical thing has happened for all of us. So if that can happen, then we can certainly do whatever we want when, when it moves out of this transitions to something better. So that's a really powerful thing because he wants people to, to think about that it, it, this is something we're going to lift up and out of, and he really feels a new renaissance coming in ways that we haven't even thought of. And then that leads me to the second part, which Kazoo says, he said, repeat that, in ways we haven't even thought of, because our human minds always want to label things or plan things or decide how things are gonna go. But when you do that, you don't leave space or room open for that which we have not thought of. Um, and that's really powerful. It's just about no expectation, um, I don't know when this will end. That's a question people get. It might be a question you've gotten. Oh, when yeah. will it end? <laughs> and because he was like, well, who, he's, he always says, well, who cares? Don't worry about that. All you have to worry about is you waking up tomorrow and putting into practice what we just talked about in a reflection and manifestation in a reflection manifestation so that you're prepared and ready to allow and then receive and then act upon what comes next. Um, so to think about a when um, denotes that there is an urgency and that urgency comes from fear and that fear comes from wanting to control everything and wanting a fake sense of stability. There's no such thing as stability. Here we all are. There's only happy. happy stability is contentment. Happy is abundance. Mm. So we need to look towards the abundance, towards growth, towards expansion, towards more. Um, so that's a really big thing he's saying through this. It helps also to alleviate the panic because the truth is there's no need to panic. We know how to take care and that's what we're doing. 
So just continue doing that. That's all. Um, to think of it as this huge monster that's coming to get me anytime now is not helpful, nor is it really true. Um, yes, there are statistics out there that 80% of us will get it, but that might be in a year from now when it's just weakened to a mild cold. Yeah, totally. That might be five years from now when it's weakened to a mild cold. So, so it doesn't, there's no point in thinking of that. There's just a point of right now, self-care, doing what we can, eliminating panic and focusing on what we'll do when we have the capacity to go out there and do our thing again. Yeah. And, and he said, if I had to encapsulate that into one sentence, before this isolation, we were existing. And after this, we'll start living. Ooh, that's great. And I think like some people out there have like kind of already been working on living instead of existing. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah. you know, as a person who has been doing that, mostly because existing yes. you know my life has just fallen apart so many times that like it's like well th this is happening again and it's not like it makes it any easier but it does give me perspective to know that it's not permanent and like that's right I feel grateful my routine really I mean other than like events I had planned my routine has not really changed because I moved to the woods I got really intentional about self-care and moving forward on the things I wanted to move forward on and just like holding space for that and like enjoying and appreciating well, and that's and and you needed to do that anyway. In a way, you were already self quarantining. Yes, exactly. So you needed this time, <laughs> but even more now, you have even more time for you personally. I won't get too personal, but just as he wants to say, because we you work together. Yeah. Okay, so he wants to say for you personally, it is new ideas are dawning on you all the time because this is a new normal for communication for all of us and for entertainment for all of us and for community the way we're communing now so it's if anything it's creating more ideas that you wouldn't have had had this not happened yeah. and there's little aspects of that for all of us if we choose to just kind of allow and see them and not stick to an anxiety ridden routine about it mm -hmm. um so that's really important uh that th it's a timeout and in that timeout it's to reflect and to oh what about this you know yeah. There's more. Oh, look, I'm learning. And, and how can I take this and take it with me for when I can get out there again? Yeah, absolutely. I really like, I feel like there's just so much opportunity in this. And um, I'm going to say this and it might offend some people out there, but I don't care. It's my podcast. Um, <laughs> it occurred to me, like when this first started, like when, when everyone was like, I feel like there was like a wave, like we knew Corona was coming. We knew it was bad. We didn't really realize it would get this bad. And then suddenly it was like, I feel like it was March 15th. Everyone was like, no, we're just staying inside. This is real. We have to do yeah. it. And like that week I like woke up on a Wednesday and I was like, this is going to be over before we know it. Like this is happening. Like, cause life happens so fast. Yeah. You know? It's like, it feels like we're in, the, we're in like, I think week three. Right. And, um, it's like, such an amazing thing to think that we're already three weeks into this and like you know and it's not too late to change how you've been quarantining like if people have been really like panic addicted to the news and panic addicted to social media like it's not too late to change it's not too late to just be better that's right yeah. and, and also he wants to say that he feels that this is going to it's not like um the other reason he doesn't want people to focus on like, when is it over? As if there's like a date where all of a sudden we can all run outside and yeah. eat burgers and tongue everyone. That's not what's going to happen. <laughs> um, 
it's like it's not gonna just be over one day it's going to uh, slowly we can start getting back out there but taking care will continue for a good up to a year he thinks oh wow even, even the the taking care part as far as um not not so much the very extreme social distancing but the being aware of cleanliness yeah mainly that the hand washing and the face touching hand washing face touching which you know as new yorker or those of us that live in big cities now that i feel like i've lived in both small town and big city I'm way more aware of it when I'm in New York City holding onto that subway rail and, you know. Yeah. All of this reminds me of subway clothes because, like, I never let myself wear – because I had layers on the bed. Because, you know, when you live in New York, basically your bed is your main sitting place if you just have a room, right? And, like, so my bed had all these layers. Like, there was cat hair okay, subway clothes okay, no cat (laughs) hair, subway clothes okay, no subway clothes, no subway clothes, like, right? Like, so it was like this whole, and now I'm like, oh, am I going to town clothes or my subway clothes? And yes. like, I don't let them touch my house. That's right. Yeah. And like, my car is even like its own little, like, you know, I, I disinfect yeah. it every time I go into it, but like, it is also a subway clothes place. Like, so it's yeah. really interesting how my New Yorker skills. Of yes. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it's funny because it, those skills too, I'm a a huge face toucher which I try not to be but even I catch myself now all the time and I'm envious my partner for a living is a drag queen and he never touches his face because usually he's working with makeup on it so if anything he'll he'll take his fingernail and tap on a part of his face where it's itchy or something as opposed to scratching he'll just tap it um so so he's really good at it and I'm envious of like yeah (laughs) not doing that but but you know um because says it's this kind of self-cleaning and awareness, it's not even that important that it's about cleaning or washing your hands, but just that you have to have an awareness of of some sort that you did not have before is going to help us all kind of keep in that upward manifestation stream because the minute we stop being aware and we fall into our ruts or our bad pattern behavior relationships or whatever it is, our little world that we create for ourselves is is the only thing we see and this keeps us kind of engaged and present in the real world Mm. where we need to be to kind of to grow yeah humanity is like a new consciousness for us yes yeah it's it's really interesting because like we're moving from the age of capricorn into the age of aquarius and Capricorn is all about the leader. It's like a person, it's an entity. And then Aquarius is more like the, the collective and togetherness. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is very much a part, like the Corona is just kind of part of the ushering in of a new consciousness. Because even yes. if like Corona doesn't change everything systemically, it changes every person individually for the experience they had during the quarantine. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's something where humanity, where even people that I feel have some sort of bigotry or even prejudice, those two words, those are taught things. Mm-hmm. We're not born. Our souls don't have that as an ideology. Those are taught things and they're taught by fear, right? So right now that doesn't exist. It's out the window because 
I can hate every other ethnicity, but there's an old lady in India right now, and there's a young girl in Brazil right now, and they're all over the world, and we're all affected by the same thing, and that really humanizes everyone for everyone. Yeah. Um, and I feel that even if people might still kind of say what they want to say for pride reasons, I feel that. Yeah. Oh my God. There's Unless so- you're a sociopath like the president. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I have to say like, anytime I ever hear uh, him, it is not consensual, but he showed up in my dream last night. It was mm. the actual weirdest thing. I was like in the white house, like, I don't know, like having some drama. Cause there's, my dreams are always drama. And yeah. like the, but he was there and he was mad at me and he like kicked me out. And then like, I, I snuck back in cause I had to give something to somebody. And then like, he was mad at me again. And I was like, whatever. But it was yeah. so weird to like feel intimate with with our president, just like in that space that I had no control over in my brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of sociopaths, um, okay. <laughs> um, you kind of already asked this, but um, someone's asking: um, Is there a deeper meaning to the pandemic? Is it um, is it a warning for us? It's not so much a warning, Kazoo says, as it is a, the universe, this sound, this is going to sound odd, he said, but it's the universe taking care. Mm. It's also, it's almost like a, um, it's not intentionally trying to hurt anyone. It's just creating a situation where the mass oneness of us all can use utilize it to expand now of course there are people being affected in a way that they're dying and there's so much he said he said there's so much of that going on yes but there's also so much of that going on for a million other reasons daily that we're not thinking about or weren't thinking about yeah totally. Uh, we're all in our worlds we're all in our bubbles and the people we know and that are affected by us or we affect and um this is making you kind of look from a wider lens um and see that, uh, oh, this is now something's happening to someone that can happen to me um, or my mom or my grandma or my niece or anyone I love, my best friend. And, um, and there's evidence of that. So I think that it's mainly the universe trying to kind of contribute to a oneness. And it's hard for us as humans to understand, but even those who pass, even those who pass of a car accident two days ago, possibly, I mean, people are dying from other stuff too. The world doesn't stop its normal courses of action just because this one thing is happening. Um, those souls are doing whatever those souls need to do. Um, if it wasn't this, it's something else that's always happening. We don't know when we're going to pass. Um, and then when we pass, we graduate and we're born somewhere else and then um whatever's next after that which could be living again or uh if you're a soul that's kind of more evolved um which he wanted me to share with you because this is a discovery i've had recently um i mentioned earlier the higher ups and kazoo says higher ups are basically souls that are kind of done living this human life because they've kind of reached a state of enlightenment that they no longer have to do that and so he calls them higher ups because they're up above where we are and he they can pinpoint prophetic information for you um without any uh emotion and just love 
And so he draws from them a lot to get information. And the reason he wanted me to tell you about it is because I recently was listening to a podcast series called Dolly Parton's America. Yes. And it's amazing. And Dolly Parton, because you said, is someone who no longer needs to return here. Yes. And you know that if you, if you really follow her or even if you start to follow her, give her two days and you'll realize it. She's more than just, um, you know, wise, wise cracks and big boobs. It's, <laughs> there's a million things about Dolly that none of us really know until we dive into her. And yeah. the biggest thing is how universally she's kind of love. Yeah, absolutely. There's no judgment, um, pure love. And she's, and also bravery and, um, and also just the way that she decorates herself. That's how she feels inside. And so she's made her outside look like the magic she feels inside. So even that in and of itself is kind of uh, awe-inspiring for us. So he just wanted me to share that part about like, Dolly's on her way to a higher up. So we'll always have Dolly, <laughs> no matter what. Um, but but um, for most of us souls, it's kind of like um, this growing process. So whether we die in a car accident in five years or we die of coronavirus next week or when we're 99 years old, um, our souls, we're here to learn, but we're here to learn through happiness, not through suffering. And mm -hmm. that's the biggest learning curve he thinks this situation is going to bring. So many of us are conditioned to think we have to suffer for um, what we'd like. And what he's, he says this is going to cause people to understand is we just, we actually have to expand towards what we want to have happiness and maintain a state of happiness that will only keep feeding you more abundance mm -hmm. that you can share and interact with everyone around you and feed from them as well. So it's not about like, um, like for instance, this toilet paper hoarding, that's fear. But what if you weren't afraid? There's actually enough toilet paper for everyone. Everyone calm the hell down. Yeah. There's tons of toilet paper. Who cares? Is toilet paper the source of your happiness? No, it's the source of your fear. So what should you focus on instead that'll make you happy? Oh, yes. I've also been conserving toilet paper more than I ever did before. And I think it's not a bad practice, you know, to just no. like consume less, use, have less. That's weight. right. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's a good testament to how much we, uh, how we appreciate things now, because how much, how much of our lives were we living mindlessly three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Yeah. And now uh, we're just conscious, we're present, we're involved in our lives in a way we haven't been. Yeah. Um, and that's one way to look at that kind of can keep you in a positive frame of mind. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was kind of doing some self-reflection um, on this podcast a few episodes ago, kind of talking about my breakup a year later and just kind of like where I'm mm -hmm. at. And I made the realization when like doing the work about like inventorying, like how am I feeling that I was feeling a greater satisfaction in my life with a negative bank account balance, like living up, you know, by my mom in the woods, not in a big city. And um, like I was feeling a greater satisfaction and presence and happiness in my life than I was two years before when I was planning my dream Dollywood wedding with a partner that I thought was my forever. And like, and, and I was popular on the internet and all of those things were happening. And I took them for granted because I was just like not as present to them as I am now to the present of like, you know, I'm even happier, like watching birds now and seeing quail and stuff like that than I was doing all of that stuff. And it's so interesting how 
Like that's just perspective and personal growth. And it's, there's nothing special about it. Like everyone can do that. But everyone can do it, but this is a good forced way for us all to collectively do it, which I think will hold us all accountable to doing it for some time to come, you know? Yeah. There's something just, uh, he put it this years ago. I want to say, I don't know. He went to a Cindy Lauper concert randomly and she started singing her first song and she stopped in the middle of it and said, wait a minute, everyone who is taping this on your phone and, you know, taking pictures of me, first of all, I don't want a picture taken from down there up my chin. Secondly, turn your phones off and be here now. We're all here together and there's this moment in the air that we're all experiencing the situation and exchanging energy, me with you guys and you guys with each other. So be here now. And those three words, the way she said it, even in her accent, are constantly echoing in my mind. And that's what we're talking about. That's what this is doing to us collectively is be here now so that you do notice birds and, hey, oh, there's actually a bunch of stuff going on around me if I just get out of my own head. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, it's spring. So there's like literally something new every day I see. Like that's just awakening. And like, it's just a miracle. Like it's so cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So more Corona questions. Okay. Um, what is the total loss? He said, there is no loss. And what he means by that is obviously lives are lost, but when, from his perspective, you know, we're really just souls walking around in meat puppets and that we lease for a lifetime. So we give our meat puppet selves a lot of value, but from his perspective where they are, nah, you're just there. It's like you're in school from 10 to three and that's what life is. And then you come back here to me. Um, and so there is no loss. There's only gain even. And he said, you can apply that to your human life even. And that's what you guys call learning from your mistakes. There is, there is a loss, but um, you gain knowledge from it. And then usually in hindsight, you realize what you thought was a loss you gained knowledge from wasn't actually even a loss. It was just a vehicle bringing you to a new awareness so that you can adjust the way your perspective is. Um, So he said, you know, that's not to downgrade, obviously, that there is loss and that people are struggling and that people are dying and that doctors are tired and people are scared. Um, But none of that is loss. It's just uh, fight. It's just um, work. Um, It's human spirit versus human conditioning that's happening for all those people. Um, And that, that takes also all of us getting on board with the idea that death is not a loss. It is a graduation. It's a loss for the living that miss you, but there's no secret. We all know it's happening. Um, So we're not being bamboozled here. And when it happens, you're just being born somewhere else. Um, And somewhere else where you don't have a time limit, where you don't have an urgency to get things done by a certain age because you know the clock is ticking. There is no time there. That's not part of any equation. Um, there's just kind of um, leveling up to and living in that level up and taking on new perspective that is freeing because there's no limitation involved 
and then getting ready to get back in there with this new leveled up soul to tackle life again. Yeah. I heard someone say that we're all getting new assignments this year. Like, like the assignments coming down from on high are like, like it's a new opportunity to have new things to do. Is that like what you were talking about with the ideas? Yes. That's a way, that's a way to look at it. Yeah. Um, because, uh, but the assignments can vary in degrees of, well, what one thinks is important or not. An assignment could just simply be, for instance, when we we're talking about those people that have prejudices, just now coming to an awareness of like, we're all the same. Just that is something, you know, if that's the only thing, great. Um, but then on wider scopes, there's things, two things, he says, things that all, almost all of us has, have always wanted to do and or involve ourselves in that we don't do because our mind talks our gut out of it. For someone that might be, I've always wanted to go to Italy and travel and spend a month there, but I can't because I don't have the funds and oh, my daughter needs the money for this and blah, 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 blah. 70, a list of 70 things of why nots. But the truth is you want it and all your mind is doing a lot of this. Go do it now. Figure it out. Just put it out there. I'm going to Italy in 2021 or 22 and I'll have the funds because I'm going to work on it and this, and I'm going to start planning it. And, I, and the planning it isn't for expectations sake. It's for the purpose of playing, of filling the dream up with I'll go here and then I'll go here and ooh, let me research what restaurants and all that stuff starts kind of getting the juices flowing in a positive um, allowing state. And that's what he wants us all to be engaging in. Um, and also it's even bigger things like people starting their own businesses that they've always wanted to. A lot of career changing he feels in this <laughs> circumstance. And it sounds contradictory because he's like, you'd think, you know, you keep hearing it's the new depression. Is it though, he says, because he sees it as the new renaissance because we're all hungry for everything. So I, you know, most of us can't wait to go out there and probably do things like go to a museum that we haven't done in years or go to movies more. That's something he feels will happen. Uh, he feels also, he's been saying it to me actually for the past two years that the, golden, the new golden age of cinema is right around the corner, just you wait. And I thought recently, oh, it's funny because there was a new golden age of television, I think, recently with all the streaming. All of a sudden, television is king. What we used to think of as movie stars 15 years ago are now doing television instead of movies, and no one's going to the movies. But that's coming back. Um, so it's always changing. Everything's always cyclical. If you just look back, you'll see evidence of that. And um, there's just abundance for everyone outside of what their norm construct of um, safety and or uh, stability. Stability is a word he wants everyone to throw out the window because there's it's a fake, it's a fake sense of security. Ooh, oh, that's real. I hear that. <laughs> because there is no, uh, there's only happy. You don't need to worry about. Okay, now I've got this, so <sighs> I'm good. And, and when he hears that, he thinks, "Well, you're good at what? Because what do you? What have you got, really?" That happens a lot in um, when I have relationship, uh, relationship advice or relationship readings about where is he, which believe it or not is a very common <laughs> topic of booking for me is where is he? Um, 
which Kazu's answer, the short answer is, he's not coming because you've made him up. So let's get back to uh, allowing uh, and meeting people for who they are instead of projecting onto them the idea that you made up. (laughs) But but, uh, that's getting out of your own way and allowing whatever's going to happen. But he's saying it, it feels as if we're on a course now where everyone's kind of aware of that. And there's only... I've got nowhere but up to go from here. So I'm going to shoot for the stars that I was too afraid to or didn't think it possible. And if I just do that, it'll make me happy. Um, I know what happy looks like because I'm eager to get back into it in a way that I wasn't doing it. So again, collectively, everyone's going to have this momentum and this kind of um, courage to seek out your dreams. Yeah. Um, and stability the stability like that girl that's wondering where is he well when you land him what what's stable about that because either one of you could die or he could leave or you could leave or there's no such thing um there's no safe there's just more yeah there's just more safe keeps you from more Ooh, that's also good safe keeps you from more <laughs> hear that write that down um also like i think when i lost my job in 2008 like i really knew that job security was a myth and then eventually yes. I started realizing like all security is kind of a myth and it's all pretty yeah. unstable like life is pretty unstable yeah. um especially as an entrepreneur but i think yes. like getting a taste of it getting a taste of the instability but then a taste of like how good it feels to like do a thing where you can lose yourself and where it gets to be fun and where it gets to like be something that you just are great at and you just keep devoting yourself to it and get better and better and better and try things out and follow your curiosities and fail. Like I think 80% of entrepreneurship is failure. Um, Mm -hmm. And so most of the emotional work around entrepreneurship is getting okay with failing. Yeah. And And, and getting back up again. Exactly. And like the faster you can do it, the faster you're going to boss up and really achieve. That's right. And whatever it is achievement even means to you. Um, Okay. So someone asked, what would be the first sign that you have it? I think they mean the Corona. My anxiety is Mm. through the roof. Okay. Um, Well, here's the thing. Because who says your anxiety is creating phantom conditions. So you'll never know if you have it or not, unless you let go of the anxiety. So it's important to kind of be calm. Um, There's also different, there's no, um, part of creating calm here is only tuning in to the information that's valuable versus the information that's sensationalized to scare you into taking care. Um, Only take the taking care part, not the scare part. So you need to wash your hands. You need to not touch your face. You need to go and get groceries, but you need to be safe and keep your distance from people while you do so. And you need to wipe your groceries clean when you get back. Um, It's pretty simple. It's not this thing that's, it's not like tag, you're it. It's more like the same, like when we were talking earlier about getting on the subway, we're riding the subway, there's stuff on that pole. We're touching the pole every day. And then we come home and we wash our hands. <laughs> a stripper pole would be cleaner. Yeah. Um, I wish it were a stripper pole. And <laughs> but there's stuff we're tu- there's door handles that we're touching in big cities. There's seats we're sitting in that people have pooped on. 
um, that maybe has been cleaned fully. Who knows? So you're you're always uh, you're always a target for this bacteria. So it's the same thing. It's not the super bacteria. Um, just because you hear about someone on a ventilator doesn't mean the minute I go outside I, that means I'm an, I'm on a ventilator. Uh, so that fear is keeping you from keeping your best self-care forward. And part of that is your mental self-care so that you can have the wherewithal to know, okay, I'm feeling symptoms now. The minute I start feeling um, the thing that doctors say I, I need to feel to go to the hospital is when I can do that. But in the meantime, there's no rhyme or reason for how your body will take it. We all have colds in different ways. We've all had thousands of colds and they've not always been a, a, a same cycle. Sometimes it's a sore throat first, sometimes it's something else, and then later a sore throat. Sometimes there's no, no sore throat. So there's no kind of like um, way to, you know, we want to control how it's going to happen to us and you can't. So don't even worry about it. Just assume you're taking your best care possible. And if it happens, then you'll take the protocol to practice the best care during it. Yeah. Um, but fear is not your friend. It keeps you from being your healthiest. Yeah, absolutely. Mentally. Um, yeah, I think you're totally right too. Like, and you know, just a good reminder that you said that our health is like both our physical, mental and spiritual health. Like all of that yes. is like really tied together, body, mind, spirit, and like working to just kind of be present and enjoy and appreciate what you can when you can. And if you're not symptomatic now, or if you're maybe symptomatic, just like rest, you just know, rest. Like, that's what, what you have to do when you get sick anyway. Being sick is your That's body's right. sign that you need to rest. So rest. That's right. Yeah. And your body also knows when like this is getting to a point where I think I need to go. Yeah. You would know that anyway. You would know that in any situation where you've hurt yourself or you're feeling ill. Yeah. Trust your gut. Trust your instinct. But don't let fear come in. You know, I've let it come in. We're humans. The first week when I started kind of being a little more precautious than I noticed people around me were being in the city, I thought to myself, okay, well, I'm isolating. And the more I thought about it, I had what I called phantom sore throat. Um, <laughs> where I call my friend Marisol, I'm like, I have a phantom sore throat. And she's like, now I do too, because you said it. And then we'd talk about something else and it'd be gone. But for a week, whenever I'd talk about it, I'd feel it. Well, that's the power of attraction. And it wasn't real, but I'm looking for symptoms to feel. Um, so it doesn't help. It doesn't really do anything other than make you crazy. Yeah, totally. Hydration and vitamin C is also what I'm like, mm -hmm. really digging into. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you've already kind of answered this question, but I'll ask it anyway, in case something else comes through. When mm -hmm. will we be able to spend time with family and friends that we are isolated from? Well, he says, I don't know a real answer to that. It depends on the friend and family and where their health is at. It depends on where your health is at. It depends on how quickly kind of thing weakens to the point where the, the, the real answer, he says, is this. When it can get to a point where it's at the strength of the common cold in the human body, that's when. Mm. depending on if you have a 90-year-old grandma to go visit or a 30-year-old cousin who just went through chemo. 
you need to take care of those people in your lives. So you don't need to have a common cold, or even if you did have something that wasn't this. Um, so it's the same care you'd practice anyway. And slowly, as we get out there, we'll know what that is more. And I think we'll have a gut awareness again, following gut of like, I think it's okay for Bevan and I to go have dinner. It feels good. We're going to go do this and we're fine. Yeah. And, and it's about that. It's, it's, so it's really a, a mashup of people's personal health following your gut and a little more knowledge universally that the thing has weakened in uh, power to affect our human bodies, Yeah, which it will. Yeah. Um, that we know, that we know it will. Um, okay, so another question. How does spirit want us to view the pandemic? Uh, How does spirit want us to view this pandemic and mass amounts of souls leaving Earth? Um, well, uh, he says the mass amounts of, uh, he, he says, the main thing is to think, well, mass amounts of souls are leaving earth anyway. And now you're just aware, acutely aware of it. So how about that? How about knowing that that's going on? Take a look, be here now and realize, oh, that's happening all the time. He used to do this exercise with me years ago where he'd be like, someone just died. And then wait a few seconds and be like, someone else just died. Someone was born. Someone just died. 30 seconds. Someone was born because that's what's happening. And we're only acutely aware of like our 500 Facebook friends and our 20 close people in our inner circle. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> there's so many people out there. So again, um, how does the, how does the universe want us to, or spirit want us to uh, feel about it, about that is to have an awareness that it's always happening and that we need stop and be present to see everything from outside ourselves more but also not to feel any sort of pain or slash fear over that it's happening just to know this is nature running its course it's just another thing the emotional fear-based impact behind it is just our human one but for the spirit world and the universe at large it's not that for instance and this might even it feels controversial as he's saying it to me but he's like that's your human ego getting in the way but even for instance uh, just i don't know uh, for how many years for the past few years have we had these mass shootings like to me that's a pandemic is it not and and how do we feel about those well people aren't present with those unless someone they know got shot or it's in a city or a state they used to live in or currently live in so Again, and it's something you isolate yourself from unless you're affected by it. And now here's the thing, we are all affected, so you have to look. So you've not been looking the whole time and now you're just forced to. All that you have to do is accept, be aware, and take care and keep moving up. Yeah, Oof. that's so wise, I love that. Um, okay, so would this have been such a big problem if it wasn't for the power of media? Well, um, the fear would not have been such a big problem. However, we've all gotten in a habit of 
expecting the big problem and adjusting our lives in a fear-based way around a problem. Um, this has come up a lot and it's his, like his favorite thing to talk about. But many years ago, like, I don't know, 20 years ago, I think, maybe longer now, Bowling for Columbine, the Michael Moore documentary came out. And in it, he used this idea to prove a point about gun control, but he used how media for years, at that point for years, and this was 20 years ago, had been talking about um, that on Halloween because there's razor blades and needles in the candy. So this is something I think we all know collectively. I've had readings from around the world where I've brought this up and literally around the world, everyone's checking candy for razor blades. And then he looked up just in the US at that point 20 years ago, he looked up records for the past 20 years of um, emergency room visits due to razor blade candy and zero. <laughs> there was zero. And so isn't that crazy because we all have this fear-based knowledge of be careful, there's razor blades in the candy. It's literally the boogeyman. It's not real. It hasn't happened. Can it happen? Sure. Can the boogeyman happen? Yeah, why not? Look at this. This happened, right? So, um, but it hadn't happened. So why are we all so quick to um, align with fear rather than love and happiness because what we're doing when we align with that fear is we're really marring i mean this sounds deeper than it is he says but we are we're marring the experience for the child of halloween mm. we're making it about danger something that they thought was fun where they get to dress up and play pretend all just that in and of itself is amazing and brilliant and then collect candy and then share it with each other and have too much of it and go on a sugar high that's marred by someone fear-based checking it to make sure they're allowed to have it mm. um you're so you're already teaching fear doing that and you have no evidence of it happening but it's so powerful that even still as i say this to people i guarantee you they still check just in case that just in case but that just in case is you attracting the negative instead of Let's just have Halloween. If there's a razor blade in your candy, you're going to feel it in your mouth and not swallow it. And maybe it'll cut you a little bit and you'll spit it out and then you can talk about it. But um, it's really about kind of not giving into the fear of it and focusing instead of what do I need to do to take care? How much of the information that media is giving me is valuable and how much of it is fear-based? If you can separate them, then you'll just take the nugget you need. Absolutely. And um, what are some ways to like that? Because it would suggest focusing on love and happiness and lining up to that rather than lining up to fear. Well, his favorite thing, which he, he says, I'll, I'll admit it's just my favorite thing, but I think it can work for everyone because as children, we always did it. And that's daydream. And he says, I think humans have this idea that daydreaming is bad. It's, it's something that uh, you're doing rather than focusing on what you're supposed to be focusing on. But what he sees daydream as is your mind um, playing with the ideas of what you'd like and therefore manifesting them. Mm. It's almost like improvising with hope. 
um, it's the same idea as vision boarding, only if you need that physically, if that act of doing a vision board is the thing for you, or if it's journaling, great. But even before either of those two tangible activities take place, there's the mind whirling and playing with ideas for you to then manifest into a physical picture you're going to cut out to put on a vision board or journaling you're going to do about an idea. So the truth is, it's just about the daydream. Just go there with the thing that you want. And the biggest obstacle is you thinking it isn't possible. So if you can just remove that, the easy way to remove that is don't have an expectation of your daydream. Don't have a result in mind. It's just, again, that, that fictional person we made up earlier that wants to go to Italy on a month-long vacation. Why not? Who says you can't? You have a list of 70 things, but let's eliminate that list now. Where would you want to go? Just play with that. Don't focus on the I can't, the money I don't have, when could I get off of work, blah, 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 blah. Just focus on when I'm there, what am I going to do? And then be there now in your mind. And then that will attract it to happen. And the more you're there in your mind, the more it becomes a part of you, the more it becomes a reality, and then you make it happen. Yeah. You figure out how to get off of work or the universe will provide a way for you to get out of work for some reason. Um, it'll provide the money to come to you to go do it. Have to go play and let all the pieces fall into place. I love that. So it's, a, it's aligning yourself with the want. Aligning yourself with the want. I love that the instructions are to daydream. I do that literally every day. I have it as part of like, my walk in the woods, I do a golden hour walk. And like, that's when I focus on gratitude. And then there's like a spot in the forest where I just take a little time to daydream and vision. And yes. like, yeah, and it's good for the spirit. It's so good for the spirit. And the other thing he's been doing lately is another example he loves to use is in the book, Eat, Pray, Love, Elizabeth, I don't remember her last name, but Gilbert. the author of that. Yeah. Yes, Elizabeth Gilbert. She had a thing in a preface when I read it, um, I don't know if it's in every edition, but she talked about how she really was um, wanting to leave her marriage, leave her divorce with ease, but the lawyers on both ends were making it difficult, and she knows that her ex-husband didn't want that, and she didn't want that, and she just wants it to be easy and cut all the middlemen out. That's a simple want. Um, and then her friend, who was driving her at the time, said, well, let's imagine there's a petition of Elizabeth's divorce goes with ease for both of you. That's the title of the petition. Who would sign it? You'd sign it. He'd sign it. I'd sign it. Your mom would sign it. His mom would sign it. My mom would sign it. My dead grandma would sign it because she knows about this. Renee Zellweger would sign it because she just went through a divorce. <laughs> like, and, then if, and then the imaginary petition is something he loves because it helps you reinforce the idea that there's people out there in the universe that are like-minded that absolutely would give their care for energy to you to have the thing that you want selflessly. Um, and there's somebody right now, we're vibrating high in energy right now because we're discussing this stuff. And there might be a girl in Kansas City right now who just wishes that, you know, she could buy a guitar because she wants to play guitar so badly. Well, I signed the petition for her to have it and so do you. And so immediately she's getting that energy. Um, uh, and that's how the universe works. It takes and gives, takes and gives energy, good energy. Um, 
talk a little more about Care Bear Stare uh, stuff because I love that kind of thing and I love the way <laughs> you describe that. Well, he's been using it a lot for me. He also uses um, like Katy Perry's Firework, which is not his favorite for me as Care Bear Stare. But, but it's the same idea how uh, in that Katy Perry's Firework in the video, there's moments where there are people who are seemingly going through a difficult time, whether it be coming out, whether it be ashamed of their body or whatever the scenarios are in the video. And the minute they let go of it for whatever reason, fireworks shoot out of their chest. Well, it's them releasing fear mm -hmm. um, and just uh, exploding with love and living in a high vibration like we are right now. That's the same thing as the Care Bear energy, but I just like the idea of like, this powerful hands uniting, um, the, this girl in Kansas City needs a guitar, let's all just squeeze hands and, you know, expel love out of our chest to her so she can have it. Or there might be, you know, a million other things, even someone like Elizabeth that wants to get out of a divorce in a nice way, or someone who wants to travel to a place that they've been resonating with, or someone who wants to open their bakery that they've been daydreaming about for 20 years, but got in their own way for the past 20 years working at some dead end job. There's a million things and I want her to open her bakery. I want him to get out of that divorce. Of course, I can't, I'm excited. I want to see the bakery. I don't even know her. It doesn't matter. Um, I don't need, I, I, I relate to dreaming. I relate to you resonating with something you love that I want to eat. So great do it. I can't wait to come to your city and eat it. I can't wait to come to your city and hear it. Um, I can't wait for you to meet someone who's shining as brightly as you are so you can find a match that's uh, support a real match. We're all in this together, not only in the bad. Yeah. Um, so the last question I think is a great one to wrap up on is, mm -hmm. uh, will we be okay? Um, he says, a resounding, confident yes. But that depends on what your definition is. And if your definition is fear-based, then no. <laughs> but your definition is, are we going to be okay? Well, you're okay now. If you're listening to this now, you're okay. You're okay right now. Maybe in five minutes, you won't be. Maybe in 10 minutes, you'll be again. Who knows? We're always just... Uh, constantly changing um but collectively and generally we're okay so what he wants people to do is again when he hears that word okay he he categorizes that word he lumps it in with stability don't you want to be more than okay mm. so what does that mean what does that mean and let's quest ourselves towards that um because okay denotes safe and safe means fear-based uh fake knowledge <laughs> of stability yeah Oof. and sometimes we just pretend our way into believing we're stable because like that's most right time, it's most of the time stability is just a myth like job security is a myth that doesn't really exist that's right yeah there there is no security there's there's not security in the tangible things that we define success as yeah um the real measure of success, you know, oftentimes people will ask like, what's the meaning of life? And we could all ponder and philosophize on that till the cows come home. But he said, it's really a simple answer. It's to be happy. It's just to be happy.
And then you learn from that. You learn from your happiness. You learn from your mistakes, as you guys like to call them, he says. But they weren't mistakes. They were you living. And then it didn't go the way that your mind wanted to control it to be. Yeah. So then you adjust your um, perspective into a happier focus. Yeah. So that you can keep receiving and keep living. So basically like the meaning of life is just to constantly adjust your perspective so that you can be aligned with like love and um, I don't know, abundance. Happiness. Yes. And receiving yeah. abundance. Yeah. And abundance is happiness. And there's always more. There's always more. Imagine all the more there is that we haven't allowed ourselves to receive. Yeah. God, I'm so excited to be, to have gotten out of my own way so that I can gratefully receive all the <laughs> abundance that's available to me right now. <laughs> yes. And even for you, this instance that you're there now is only for now. Mm. Wow. There's always more. This isn't, I think there's a fear-based thing that you don't have, but a lot of people can of, mm, I don't want to say yes to that because then I'll be stuck in that. No, everything's only for now. There's no, you're only stuck if you choose to be. Yeah, totally. Totally. And like, it's so funny because like, I didn't like seek out to come live in the woods and be simpler. I, I wanted the more complicated life in LA that I had. And then it was no longer available to me. And now I'm so grateful that I'm here. And it's so, you know, just grateful, just grateful to be here and working to stay in my appreciative vibe and stay appreciative and like, just receive it and be, and keep vibing up as much as I can. That's right. Vibing up. He said he loves that. Yeah. Um, Alex, how can people uh, meet with you these days? Well, um, I actually have been doing a lot of uh, promos lately just because I want to try to make myself as accessible to everyone as possible. So um, I do 90-minute readings, which are um, usually my introductory. Like a lot of people, I, they used to be an hour, and I upgraded it to 90 minutes because you know it always takes longer. That's hour. how long they are. Sometimes I've been, you and I have, had readings that lasted two plus hours before. Yes. And so, uh, so 90 minutes is a good chunk to kind of like get information and get everything out there. But I also started doing 30 minute kind of express readings, which were more so for people that were my regulars that just needed a tune up or a check in. But I found a way to kind of like get to specific topics with people in 30 minutes um, if they are open and ready to do it. Um, and then I've started doing these Zoom readings, um, which right now I'm only doing privately because it seems to be working better that way. And by that, I mean where, for instance, you and four, five, six friends can get together on Zoom with me and we share 90 minutes together, taking turns, asking questions and doing a group just via Zoom. Um, and all of those, you can, you can go on my social media. I'm Alex the Medium on Facebook and Instagram. And I also have a website, alexthemedium.com. And uh, all that info is on there. Awesome. I will put all the links to that in the notes for the episode. And also just a shout out specifically to your social media, which I love. I feel like it's full of good information and good reminders of like what Kazoo tells us. Like as someone who's a client, like it's just, it's good reinforcement. Um, what you post and how you post it. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I try, I do my best to um, only post it if I have a feeling rather than just mindlessly posting. 
Yeah. I mean, so I post with intention. Yeah. I feel like, you know, it's interesting. It's like, I am a little bit the opposite. Cause when I rely on just the feeling, like, I feel like it's not as, it doesn't end up being as intentional. So like, you know, like in these times I'm, I'm working to post every day just cause I feel like a little nugget of something bright will help somebody. And it also like helps me get out of my own way and my own. Yes. Syndrome. But you're vibing in that energy. Yeah. You know, some days we wake up and we're like, I don't want to, I just want to eat breakfast and stare. Yeah. And so <laughs> um, there have been times where I forced myself to post during that time. And, and then now I'm like, no, wait, you can post later. If you, f-. there'll be a time later where we go through 50 emotions in one day and there'll be a moment later in the day where I'm like, yeah. And then I'll post something then. Yeah, totally. So totally. it's just a kind of like checking in that making sure I'm, I'm infusing with the right energy when I do post. 100%, 100%. Thank you so much, Alex, for this. This is so valuable. Like I'm, I think even in non-corona times, maybe even especially in non-corona times, like this is going to be worth coming back to just to remind ourselves what source energy wants for us and like how much we get to just be and exist and not suffer and be happy and be happy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. And I've met so many people through you. Um, And just always love chatting with you. Oh, yay. Okay. I love you, Alex. I love you too.